0: Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter eight Romans chapter eight. this is where we are. Um, I, I hope you were here last week. if you weren 't here last week, you, you missed a great passage it 's not that it 's gone from your Bible. You can go back to it, uh, but um, it 's not that I preached this great sermon, but I had a great passage. That really is a a battle cry, a truth to hold on to, something that we can affirm every day, uh, not because we just want to feel strong, but because it's true. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we should rejoice. We should rejoice that there is no condemnation. for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, uh, it's not that there is no one that condemns you. It's just that the God of the universe, your creator, uh, you're right with him. And so who cares what anybody else thinks? Uh, there's no condemnation with him. And so we rejoice at that. And uh, now he is going on in this passage to talk about the difference between the flesh. That he saved us from, and he ultimately he will put to rest uh, in taking us home to be with him, and the Spirit of God who works in us as a believer over and over again. So that's where we are. Last week we looked at the flesh, and I, we we made a distinction that's very important for us to remember. I, I want you all to remember that the flesh, meaning and and. I know these words are hard because we don't use them every day. This could be considered flesh, you know, this, this idea right here. But when, in this passage where it's talking about the flesh, it's talking about your person, your person apart from Jesus, apart from relationship with God, what you can do in yourself, what you can do in yourself. And uh, I, I want you to, in your mind, remember that the flesh cannot be saved cannot be saved it is not improved it should not be trusted it is bankrupt it is bankrupt the spirit of God works in us and we're going to get more into that now but last week we looked at that I wanted to reiterate that and as we look at this passage this morning uh, we're going to see that the spirit of God working through Paul writing this talks about really the riches the riches that we have because of Jesus. And I, I, I think it's interesting. And I'm searching for great illustrations. But you can imagine being a beggar. You can, be imag- you can imagine being homeless. You can imagine not having a family. Being an orphan. You can, you can imagine those things. And, and, and the idea of in an instant, in a moment in time, going from a beggar going from homeless, going from being an orphan to having all the riches that you can imagine. Having a family, a home, safety, and riches beyond compare. And there would be an adjustment right there, right? There would be an adjustment. And as we look at this, uh, this passage, God is sharing with us and, and he's saying to us, let me explain to you how rich you are. Let let me explain to you how to live the riches that I've entrusted you with. I I think that that seems uh, so counterintuitive, but that's exactly what this is. It's a dramatic shift of life. If you remember back a couple of weeks, uh, you can, in your mind, end of chapter 7. Well, you could even go back farther than that that the scripture says talks about our own sin and how we're lost in it. That even those who are spiritual and, and try to uh, do good things in their own flesh are dead, are dead in their sins. And that there's none righteous, not, not one. And, and you think of the teaching of Romans that it shows over and over again this, this idea that, that man can't do it. And then at, at Paul in chapter 7 he he cries out in verse twenty four, and he says, "Wretched man that I am, knowing his his flesh and his, even his propensity in the in the past to do wicked things." I, I know that we all relate to this. I know we all struggle with the idea of our past, and Paul did too. And as he thought about, most likely, the people he had killed that were Christians. Most likely, uh, the things that he had done in sin and and in self-righteousness. And he says, a wretched man that I am. And he says, who will save me? Who will save me? Knowing that he couldn't do it. And then he says, thanks be to God. And that brings us to no condemnation in chapter 8. And it shows us in chapter 8 that he says, uh, he, he speaks of, this idea of verse four in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. And, and as I've been studying the, the book of Romans, every time the righteousness of God comes up and it's a, it, it connected with sinful man, I, I, I want to laugh. I want to laugh. And, and I know that might sound blasphemous or sacrilegious, but the reason I want to laugh, I, how can it be? How can it be? That unrighteous people have met the righteous requirement. And so joyful laughter comes because God took us from that, because of the gift of his son, to righteous in his eyes. (laughs) Amazing. They should write a song about it. (laughs) Something like, amazing love, how can it be? You know, this is just coming to me. This is just coming to me right now. No. Uh, Anyways. Please stand in honor of God's word. I'd like to read to you chapter 8, verse 5, down through verse 11. God's word says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life, give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. God, I ask your blessing on our time that we might know the riches that are found because of your son Jesus the Spirit, uh, your Spirit, that works in us now. May we understand it better, and may we make the transition in our mind and thinking from that which is old and dead to that which is new and life. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, th- this, is, this is theology, important theology, This morning, uh, talking about the difference between life in the flesh and life in the spirit, life in the spirit. And as I share this with you, uh, you may say it's a struggle for me to get it. And I would say, yes, it is. Uh, uh, We've been living another way, a long way, a long time. And so uh, as we do this, just try to hear the word of God, understanding what it means. And then uh, for you And for I to uh, have a replacement in our minds about what life is truly like. Uh, This is a powerful passage. And as I look at this and this concept of the old life and now the new life, uh, you look for illustrations that would be dramatic enough. And as I think about it, uh, I think probably the best one and, and still lacking is a transplant. Transplant and when i say transplant uh, uh, it's the idea of uh, of getting a heart that is not yours and replacing the heart that was yours with a new heart and 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 we understand how amazing that is we realize that if your heart's not working or your heart's not working right it affects everything right and that's true of you before jesus that there's something uh in you that's wrong. And when I say something in you, it's something critical, right? You can live without a finger, right? Uh, But you can't live without your heart. And so the idea of a heart transplant is probably uh, one of the better. Uh, The other one um, that that I thought of, and probably maybe a step further, is a brain transplant, right? Right? um and you know some of you who are rude parents you've said this to your kids before right do you need a new brain <laughs> do you need a brain transplant because yours isn't working right now um or maybe they've said that to you uh I, I don't know i realize that uh when you think about your brain it kind of is more personal right it's more who you are and i, I want you to get this idea of transplant. Whatever helps you understand, whatever change that you uh, can envision needs to happen in you, it's significant. It's significant. Um, Our person, our our personality, if you will, um, is still the same. But something at the core of who we are, our heart or our brain or however it fits in your mind, uh, that is what needs to change and to transplant. I wanted to say, like, you know, I wanted to say, it needed to be reprogrammed, or you needed a new motherboard or something like that. I just felt like that was too close to transhumanism this morning. And so uh, um, if you don't know what that is, be thankful. Um, but the, the idea that something dramatic is happening in you, and that the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, it doesn't just change you from being condemned to not condemned but that there's a dramatic shift in you that does happen, is happening, and it needs for us to live differently and think differently because of it. Well, what needs changing? If you look down at verse 5 in this section, uh, 5 through 8, I just titled, Man Cannot Please God. Man Cannot Please God. And, And when I say man, I'm talking about you and me, Mankind, those who are apart from Jesus in the flesh, just a normal person who's born, who's born, who, who grows up and, and who lives and is adult and, and has uh, morals and values and uh, some of which are good, some of which are bad. But every person, every person apart from God cannot please him. Verse five. For those who live according to the flesh. Those who live according to the flesh. Those who live according to or based upon their own resources apart from God. Those who live apart from God. And, and he says this. For those who live, uh, verse 5. For, the, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. And he, he gives this obvious picture is that as the one who is living to the flesh, and they go about their day and they come up uh, with the troubles and challenges of life. What are they? What are the troubles and challenges of life? You, you guys know that, right? You guys know what they are, right? Your wife. Could be. I'm just talking hypothetically. Your wife. Your wife. Uh, I don't need any help preaching this morning. Uh, Your kids, your job, your husband, uh, your health, your health, your finances, politics, world events, your computer. Like like these are the things of life, right? The future, as you look upon the future. And, and, and you have all these things that you have to decide how you're going to handle them. How you're going to handle them. And this is what happens when you do not know Jesus. You do not know Jesus. You say, oh, how am I going to handle this? I, I, I got bad news. I, they told me I have cancer. Uh my kids have come home. They're in trouble at school, and I can see that they're going. Like, what do I do? And, and so uh, you, you get the events of life, and you say, "Well, how am I going to handle this?" Well, I'm going to handle it like I handle things, or like I've been taught to handle things. What would my dad do? What would my mom do? What what do my friends do? How do they handle these things? I'm in the flesh, and so how do I deal with those things in the flesh? my mind comes up with a plan of action just like my mind and the friends and the people in the family that I would do. And it can also be a profession too, right? Uh, how do baseball players handle this? How do computer geeks, forgive me for saying it so rudely, uh, deal with this? How, how do firemen deal with this? How do construction workers deal with this? How do correctional officers deal with this? I have something in the flesh. How do I deal with it in things of the flesh? Those are my resources. And what does it say? Verse 5. For to set, uh, for to set the mind on the... Uh, I'm sorry. Verse 5. Yeah. Uh, for those who live according to the flesh, like that, that's the dominion or that's what dominates them is their flesh. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. right? They're, that's where they're stuck. But on the other hand, but those who live according to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Same scenarios, all those things health, family, finances, tragedies, politics, world events, the future, all those things. The one who lives in the spirit, those things happen to them as well, right? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it does not mean that you will not get sick. It does not mean that you won't struggle in your marriage. It does not mean that you won't have life events like anybody else. It's it's very common to man to struggle with all the same things. And so how do they deal with it? The one who is in the spirit, what? Deals with it in the spirit, the Holy Spirit working in them. And he's going to explain this more. And really, uh, we start out really hammering the idea of the flesh, and then we end uh, with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in us. I want to tell you that um, your mind matters. Your mind matters. In this passage, um, it really gives this picture, verse 5, of their minds. Where is your mind? Where is your thinking? And it's not just an issue of logic or intellect, but know this, your mind has to be changed. Your mind has to be changed. You have to think differently about life now that you have trusted in Jesus. That God is doing a work in you that will change everything about you and your process of how you deal with life. Um, your mind matters and it's what is what needs to be changing even here today. You, you, you might be uh, guarded and, and thought of and the things that, that mark you are your sins of your youth. You'd say, well, uh, as a kid, I struggled with anger and this is how I still deal with things through anger Or maybe uh, when I was a child, you know, I I learned this type of behavior. And whenever I got stressed, I I went and did this or did that or said this. Or maybe I threw things and stuff like that. And so now these same ideas of how to deal with things, now I do those now. I want to tell you, those are not the picture your mind needs to change. It might be the sins of your family. My dad always used to do this. My mom always used to do this. I come from a long line of people who handle things this way. I want to tell you, fleshly things go through generations. It might be the, the sins of our culture. How do people handle life today? Well, this is the way my friends do it. This is what I, I heard on Dr. Phil or Oprah, The View, uh, the, whatever. This is the way people handle things, and so that I will as well. And I want to tell you that for us, needs to be a change of mind. This idea here in verses five and really the verses onward to verses six as well and seven, um, it's the idea of what dominates. What are we dominated by? And it's obvious before coming to know Christ. What are you dominated by? Your flesh, right? Your flesh decides, and and we want to think that we did our own thing, but we did our own thing because our flesh dominated, and we thought it was our own thing, but it really was, we were stuck and enslaved to sin, dominated by. This is the picture, And, and I want to say that this passage is asking the question, or it's pointing the difference to, what voice speaks loudest to you? Who are you going to listen to now? Are you going to listen to the spirit of God? Or are you going to listen to your flesh that you've grown your whole life with? What is going to now dominate your life? What is going to be the one that you're governed by? And and before he talks more about this, he wants to talk about the the implications. Verse 6, he says, uh, for to set the mind on the flesh is what? What does it say? probably behind me right uh on the flesh is death is death and and remember last week if you were here what wh- the word condemnation it, it speaks of the judgment that comes because of what the judgment that comes because of being guilty and being sinful But that word condemnation doesn't just talk about the guilt; it talks also about the um, the the penalty. What is the penalty of sin? Over and over and over again, it's death. It's death. And so, uh, when you think about the the outcome of your fleshly way of living, my fleshly way of living, what is it? It's death. For for to set the mind on, on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Now, I want to give you a really, really tough question here. If you had a multiple choice and there's just two choices, and the outcome are these two outcomes, which one would you choose? Death or life and peace? Some of you are thinking, <laughs> you're going, I don't know what to choose. And I want to tell you, it's so obvious, isn't it? It's, I, I joke, I know you guys got it. But to see it in black and white is important for us here this morning. It, it, it may sound normal for us to work on the confines of the flesh. We're used to it, right? We've been doing it for a long time. Especially those of you who have come to faith, or just now, right, as adults, and you say, "Well, I, I've spoken this way, I've thought this way, I've worked this way, and my dad taught like I, I've done this for a long time, and I want to say, abandon it. Why? Because it's brought about death to your life. And you know what it'll do now? <laughs> More death. <laughs> it's going to happen." <laughs> And, and, and I want to, you to get this, and I, I want to just mention it uh, for further study, Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Talks about, you know, fruits of the Spirit, really the fruits of the flesh, right? How do you live in the flesh, and how do you live in the Spirit, and what it's like? And it's interesting, in, in that passage in uh, G- Galatians 5, verse 19, he says this, he says, Now, now the works of the flesh are evident. The idea of evident is the idea of obvious. And why are they obvious? Why are the works of the flesh obvious? Why? Because of what it brings about in your life. It, it, when you're working in, in terms and you're listening and you're being dominated by the flesh, what happens to your life? What happens? Disaster, right? Same bad results over and over and over again. And, and you say, well, why is my life a mess right now? Well, you're doing it wrong, <laughs> right? You say, well, I just thought if I gave more passion to it. <laughs> when I was in college, I, uh, I had a bunch of friends that we'd go out bowling all the time. And we weren't any good, but we just had fun being together. And one of my favorite things to do, and it's, it's great to do with young men because they're prone to this. Uh, you know, we'd all see how hard we could throw the ball down. Like, there was no finesse whatsoever. And we're just throwing it as hard as we possibly can. And after someone, like, gave it their all and they leave, you know, they hit nine pins and there's one standing. Or even worse, they hit a gutter ball. You just say to them, you should have thrown it harder. And what do they do? It happens in golf, too, by the way, right? You know, if you say, hey, uh, you hit it out of bounds. You should have just hit it harder. And it gets frustrating in a man who says, oh, I'm going to just give it more passion. If you do the wrong thing with more passion, what happens? (laughs) You become a young man. Uh, 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 I just want to point this out, that, that this idea that it is evident in our lives when we're living in the flesh. Why? Because we make a disaster out of everything. We make a disaster out of our kids, out of our relationships and our family. We get in trouble with work. Why? Because we're living in the flesh, right? Living in the spirit. And, and, and you, you know, when you say, oh, my life is hard and I'm, I'm going to go and do the things I used to do. I talked about this last week of, you know, I just need to buy some stuff. That'll help me in my life. I just need to buy some stuff, pointing and clicking, right? Or maybe, maybe it's the bottle for you, you know. My life is so hard, I just need a bottle of wine. Do you? Or, or, or maybe it's just, you know, things are going so bad I just had to swear a bunch. Throw things. Is that? Let me ask you a question. Do you think that comes from the flesh or the Spirit of God? It's evident, right? That's what Galatians tells us. It's obvious. When we're living in, in regards to the own, our own flesh, it's obvious. And how is it obvious? The outcome. And how is the outcome determined or, like, labeled? Death. Death. Little p- pieces of death all around our lives and handed out to our families. Death. And, and I, I want you to get this. I think it's important for us to know is that we should think, be thinking through the steps and the events of our lives. And we, we would say, oh, God, I don't know what to do, you know. I'm making a mess of things. Well, maybe ask the question, is what you've done in the past, is that the evident, is it obvious that that's from your flesh or is that from the Spirit of God? Spirit of God. So, so he, uh, he says, and, and he goes on to obviously show the progression in verse 7. If you look at verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Talked about this in the weeks prior, but when we don't do and live and listen to the spirit of God, what is our life? It is not neutral. It is not neutral. I'm not just not living for God. No, it's hostile to God. It's hating God. It is against God. Uh, Your flesh, uh, you apart from Jesus, is hostile to God. And and that's important for us to know. Why? Because it's not neutral. It's not neutral. It's not a place we can sit with any comfort. It's to realize why life isn't working out, why I am not uh, experiencing. And back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. I didn't talk about this long enough. Verse 6, death, life, and peace. Life and peace. Doesn't that just sound good? Life and peace. What do you want your life right now? This idea of living and enjoying and peace and peace. How are you going to handle cancer? How are you going to handle cancer? How are you going to handle your marriage problems? How are you going to handle the things that come up in your life that you didn't order, you didn't order, but somehow... Somehow, these are on God's agenda for you. How are you going to handle that? Well, well, I want, you know, out of my two options, death and life and peace, I want my life to be filled with this living that comes from Jesus and the peace that only He has that surpasses all understanding, as it says in Philippians. Life and peace. But the fleshly mind, verse 7, back to verse 7, because I skipped verse 6, Got talking about things. Um, Fleshly mind, it's common to all of us, the lot of man, it hates God. It's against God. It it says in in verse 7, it says, for the mind, the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's laws. It says, God, you you say this, uh, I'm not in. I don't believe it. I got a better idea than you. I'll do my own thing, God. It's hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws. I don't need to listen to God. That's for somebody else, but I'll do my own thing. I'll say this, this whole uh, description here of life in the flesh, it it describes us as thinking that we are gods in and of ourselves. that, that, That we'll do whatever we want. We don't have to listen to God. He's not in charge of me. He won't determine what I think, what I say, how I act, how I live, how I'm married, how I go through. Like, he's not going to determine that. I'll do it on my own. I want to tell you that that's not you just being selfish. That's you and I thinking that we are God. Uh, Bad stuff's going to happen, right? Uh, God will not... uh, um, he, he only allows himself to be God. Hates God. Rebels against his laws and rules. And then he, he goes on to describe where this leaves us. Verse 7. Um, Indeed, it cannot. And what does it say? It says, hatred of God, hostile to God, uh, does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. It cannot submit. It cannot do this. In fact, he goes one step further. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And this idea of pleasing God goes back to righteousness. Goes back to righteousness. Are you right with God? And you say, well, why do I have to please God? Real simple, he made you. (laughs) He's the creator, you're the creation. That you're small and he's uh, all-powerful, omniscient, he's... He's over all. And so it's our rightful spot to be under him. And so as uh, his servants, we answer to him. And yet in the flesh, what does it uh, mean say? Uh, That in the flesh we cannot please God. Because we're trying to be God, we cannot please God. And maybe this is new stuff for you. Maybe this is new stuff, but it's truth from God. It's true whether we believe it or not. I know it's a challenge to our own uh, role and throne in our own life, but this is, God desires this for us through the Apostle Paul. He's sharing us this with us so that we cannot please God. We're in sin, left, we talked about this in the weeks prior, flesh. What's the main thing we know about the flesh? It's weak, right? Can't do it. And it leaves us in a place where we cannot please God in the flesh. Which brings us to verse 9. You, however, and, and, and know this. Um, these last couple of chapters, Paul has been talking about his own life in Christ. That he is a believer. And he is assuming that his readers, for the most part, are believers as well. And this is what we do this morning here. We're, we're grateful if you don't know Christ and you're here today and you're listening and you're, you're struggling through it and hearing the gospel and you're trying to understand how this fits to you and whether you'd accept it. We're grateful. But as he, he you need to know this, that if you don't know Jesus here, you're in the flesh. You're in the flesh. And that's, that's all. That's all. And you're, you're stuck in a place in your sins that you cannot please God in and of yourself. There's, there's good news. You cannot please God. He's going to help you if you're willing. And he extends a hand. But, but know this, that if you're an unbeliever, you cannot please God. You're not right with him. And, and I, I'd say this. Um, this idea of cancer or marriage problems or problems with your kids or financial problems, um, those are just the small issues of life. The big issue is life is, are you right with God? Are you right with God? Because if you're right with God, go back to chapter 8, verse 1, there's no condemnation, right? So who cares about the other stuff, right? It puts in perspective all those other things. But in verse 9, it says this You who, however, you, however, um, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, but in the Holy Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And and as he points out, and as he's speaking to himself as well, he said, but I'm not stuck in the flesh. I'm in the Spirit. And, And as he describes this, he says, in the Spirit... And then he reiterates, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, and then he says, once again, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And I realize this is a um, somewhat uh, confusing picture of the Trinity here, right? You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Right, And as he uses these, he's interchangeably speaking them as one, but also in different ways as well. He speaks of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and he's speaking of the Spirit himself. And knowing that the believer is now changed by our relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He says... Second part here, this nine through t- nine and ten, the Spirit of God gives life. Gives life. We're not stuck in the flesh. Your present place and your identification is not the flesh, and that's part of this change of mind. Um, I, I used to go to the bottle. I used to go to cussing and swearing. I used to go to just uh, indulging my flesh and food or, or selfishness of some sort. I, I used to do this. This is my go-to. And, and he says, now, he says, no, now uh, you're in the spirit of God. You've been changed. You have a different identification. A different Identification. You're not your present place is not the flesh. As you as you look at this, um, I I want I want you to focus on something and and hear it. In Christ, in the Spirit of God. Verse nine: Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, uh, I'm sorry. yeah, verse 9. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, dwells in you. Now, now what is the picture there of in Christ, in the Holy Spirit, dwelling in you, right? There, there's this picture that now, because of what has happened in Christ, that he's in you. He's in you. He, he's taken up residence, This idea of dwelling in you. One writer said it like this. The spirit is not an occasional visitor. He takes up residence in God's people. He's not an occasional visitor. Some of you have long lost relatives. And once you meet them, you realize it's good. It's good that they're lost, right? They're long, long lost. Spirit of God is not like that. He comes in and he, he takes up residence in you. He is a permanent part of your life now. It's part of you knowing Christ is that the Holy Spirit is now in you, dwells in you. It's not that he dwells in you and then he takes a vacation and leaves you. And the, like, it, He's in you. It's important for us to remember. It may, it, it may be hard to understand in your mind, but it's true. God's Word says it. And, and so you get this picture now that, that Christ was far off and I was in the flesh, but now I am in Christ, in the Spirit. And verse 10 says this, But, it, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And this is so hard for us to get, but once again, righteousness, you, me, righteous, come on. That's a long way from home, isn't it? That's a long way from what I used to be. Of course it is. Of course it is. And it shows the magnificence of the work of God, that Christ did a work that we could not do. And now, as the Spirit works in us, we are righteous. We are righteous. We are right with Him. A righteousness not of our own uh, I can't believe who I've become because of Jesus. Which brings us to verse 11, life now. Life now. In verse 11, it says this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Let me try to explain this. And I say, try to explain this. Not that I can't explain it. I can. It's just hard to imagine, hard to grasp. Uh, What is Easter? Resurrection Sunday. What is that? It's the celebration of Jesus rising from the dead. Conquering sin and death. That's verse 11. It's verse 11. it's it's pointing to the most powerful event that Jesus rose from the dead. In verse 11, it speaks of the Holy Spirit's power and uh, participation in the raising of Jesus from the dead. And it says, "If, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Huh? That the same power that was displayed, the Holy Spirit displayed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is in you and me. We've trusted in Christ. We have all the power we need. Uh, Not not just for the small things of life, conquering sin, sin, dealing with difficult days, not just for those small things, but, but that he would change this body, this body. And, and I, I want to just point out, he doesn't go into detail here, but the scripture teaches that, that there's going to be a resurrection body. The, the picture that we have is Jesus rising from the dead. It, it's a subtle difference, not, not, not really a subtle difference, a huge difference. But you can tell by what happened to Jesus that he had a physical type body uh, after he rose from the dead. It was the resurrected body, and it, it was different. You know, they were in a room, and he showed up in a room without. You know, how did he get in here? And uh, there was, but there was also the physical scars of what there was a a, a, a picture that resembled the past, the mortal body, but now it was a resurrected body, and he equates that to what's going to happen to us. If you wonder what's going to happen to your body, that's what's going to happen. You're going to go from the mortal body that was a mess and a disaster to a resurrected body. Uh, We don't have all the details to that, but just know it'll be different. He gives life, resurrection power type life, eternal life to the mortal body that was dead in the flesh, but now is alive through the Spirit. Three things I want to give you as tie up this, and we'll talk about this more in the weeks to come. Please don't miss. Not, I'm not saying, like, we're not going to give an attendance award or anything, but Chapter 8's got some great stuff for us. Anyways, three things. Focus on the new life, new life. It's not a small adjustment. It's not a little bit better. It's not a little bit better, Okay. Focus on this new life and realize the way you did things in the old life is not the way you're going to do things now. It's not just a little bit better. Second thing, it's important to remember and realize, remember and realize the bankruptcy of your flesh, the bankruptcy of your flesh. What happens? What happens if you trust your flesh? Death, death. Things are going to turn out bad. And uh, you say, well, I've been doing it that way for a long time. Yeah, and it hasn't gotten any better <laughs> because it's bankrupt. And, and for you to walk through that in your mind, the old way was like this. That's never going to work. It doesn't matter how many times you try it. It's bankrupt. To remember that, to realize the bankruptcy of your flesh. And then lastly, remember, remember, I am in Christ, in the Spirit, I'm in relationship with my Father God. The the Spirit of God dwells in me. And and to really think that through and say, "The, the old way was my weak flesh, and the new way working in me is the power of God, the resurrection power of God working in me. I hope that's helpful for us. God, thank you. Uh, For this morning, as we've been able to go through your word, help us to to sort it out. Uh, Help us to understand the old life and the the new life that is far greater. Help us to rejoice at the righteousness that is not our own. It's been given to us. God, I pray for anyone here who's still left in the flesh, that today would be their day, that they would abandon that and that uh, your spirit would come and to dwell in them. They would be yours and you would um, We'd be able to say, you are mine, you're mine. God, do your work in your church. Thank you for all you're doing here. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.